thoughts of you. Okay, Matthew 10. He called to him uh, his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is God's word. All right. Uh, And so I want to get, you know, we're going to get out there and pray. So I'm going to pick through this section today, uh, just observe some things and ask the Spirit to breathe on them so we can obey them and walk them out in faithfulness until He comes. Good? All right. So right at the start of the section, um, we see answered prayer. So last week, Matthew 9, 35 through 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he's going to send out laborers into the harvest. And then what happens next? He calls to him 12 disciples and gave them authority, saying, proclaim as you go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Raise the dead, cast out um, demons, cleanse lepers, the whole bit. So pray for laborers and you get laborers. Wow, okay. Anyway, second, notice who Jesus elects to to lead the charge in this task um, for the harvest. We have a Jewish king picking 12 Jewish dudes to mediate blessing to the Jewish people and then by default to the whole world, okay? Why does Jesus do this, okay? I know, I think, I know that Jesus is still committed to the promise to Abraham from Genesis 12, uh, 1 through 3. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, Abraham, in your family, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Okay? That's from the mouth of God to Abraham. And Jesus believes everything his father says. Yes? Okay, and then Abraham, after Genesis 12, has a grandson named Jacob, and Jacob has how many sons? Twelve. They're the twelve tribes of Israel, and these tribes, in covenant with Yahweh, are meant to what? Do Genesis 12. Bless all, all the nations, all the families, all the tribes of the earth. But if you've read in your, your Tanakh, in your Old Testament, how's Israel do at that? Not great. Okay, we're in numbers in our reading right now, and it's just not great. Okay, Israel, uh, after this, falls into idolatry and goes into exile, and ten of those twelve tribes are just kind of lost. No, not really. There's not really, like, lost tribes. Like, God knows where they are. We kind of know where they are. But, but they're just, they kind of disappear. So what Jesus is doing here in going to bless the nations and calling to to himself 12 Jewish men, what Jesus is doing is saying, hey, I'm still committed to the promises to the patriarchs, okay? Israel really will, through Jacob's sons, mediate blessing, the blessing of God, the blessing of Yahweh to all the nations of the earth, okay? Jesus is committed to that because Jesus believes God, right? And he's driving this story forward all right that's what he's got i'm going to bless the world we're going to go out into the harvest who do i need to do this well i obviously need 12 jews 
Okay, I obviously need 12 Jewish men to go out and do this. And next thing I want you to notice is these are 12 totally normal dudes. All right? Totally normal. Most of them aren't famous. Okay? Most people know, most Christians know Peter, James, and John. Most of the world uh, knows, knows Peter. But just these guys aren't really um, famous. Okay? Uh, and Judas. Everyone knows Judas. Right? That is the, that's what infamous means, right? He's famous for a bad thing? Okay. And th- they get a lot of airtime, but the rest of these guys are, are, are kind of forgotten, okay? If, you know, forgive me, if you asked me, Josh, who are the 12 disciples, I would be, you know, have to Google it. So I, maybe I could get there, I don't know. Um, but we've got a tax collector, normal guy. Okay, uh, we have a scribe, normal guy, fisherman, normal guy, uh, zealot, probably not a normal guy. Okay, a zealot uh, would be someone you probably have blocked on Facebook. Okay, they, they post stuff about microchips and mosquitoes and JFK still being alive. You probably block him. Okay, he, he's out there. But otherwise, these are normal Jewish dudes, okay, doing normal, you know, things that Jesus calls to the task. And so what I would do today is just press on us. And remind us again and again and again, and you know this, that it's not great learning, okay? Not how smart you are, how many letters are after your name, or great wealth, how, how much you got in the bank account. But we've raised a million, that's cool. <laughs> that is, that is because, again, there are not a million people in here. That's awesome. Um, but it's not great learning or, or um, great wealth that, that makes us fit for the task or, or whatever. Whatever else, whatever op- other obstacle you think. Uh, sets other people apart for the task and other people to not be a part. That's, those things aren't what make disciples fit for the harvest. Okay, It takes the Holy Spirit and it takes obedience to wherever and whenever you are at. Okay, Acts, Acts 4. So this is after Jesus ascends and, and has sent the disciples out. Again, now to the nations. Peter and John, they heal the, la- the lame man at the gate, right? Silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give to you, rise up, get up and walk. The guy goes walking and leaping and praising God. Walking. That's a Narden song. Did you guys sing that in Tonkawa? Okay, yeah. Walking, leaping, praise God. They, they preach this banger of a sermon. Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4 is just like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and then they're brought before the high priest because they're causing problems. Okay, this is, this is an issue, what they're doing. Acts 4.13, when they observe the boldness of, of Peter and John and realize these are uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and recognized they'd been with Jesus. Like, oh, those guys. All right, they're, you know, they're not the smartest. They're, they're not... Um, trained, but they'd been with Jesus, and so they're laying hands on people and, and, and announcing the gospel of, of the kingdom, okay? Totally normal people, most of them untrained. And, and by the way, like especially in this day, but even now, most of the world and most of, of the people of God are uneducated and untrained. That's fine, and it's maybe to our advantage. You know, like I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in seminary, I'm, I'm doing this stuff, and it's like, the more I read, I'm like, you guys should read less. <laughs> Just making stuff harder for yourselves here. Like, it might be an advantage to be just normal. These people had been with Jesus. Jesus told them, hey, go proclaim the day of the Lord. The kingdom of God is at hand. And they go, okay. 
And they go and do it. You know what I mean? Hey, go lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. And they go, okay. Just normal people being obedient to Jesus. So I just, if you're awesome, I don't mean to, you know, cut you down. But I just want to say to everyone else, you don't have to be awesome. You're normal people. And again, back to the zealot, you can be a complete weirdo. And the Lord, the Lord will use you and work with you. I think that's why the Pentecostal movement is just taking over the globe because it's attracting all the weirdos who are obedient to Jesus. And he loves it. He loves it. Okay. Normal dudes. I do want to highlight one disciple here because Matthew does, and, and it's Judas. Verse 4, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So Judas comes to Jesus. Judas follows Jesus. We have no reason to think that Judas did not proclaim the same message as all the other apostles. We have no reason to think that Judas didn't lay hands on the sick and they recovered. Judas raised people from the dead. Judas cast out demons. Judas did all of the stuff. But at the end of the day, Judas didn't finish the race. Judas didn't, didn't finish. He betrayed the Lord. At the end of the day, Judas is marked not as a, as a shepherd, right? The, the message to the lost sheep, the scattered sheep. Of the house of Israel, Judas is marked at the end of the day as a wolf. And so I just want to point this out because in our um, age of hyper-celebrity within um, the body, which is not new, okay? We've had hyper-celebrity before Jesus, during Jesus, after, you know. But we just have these now and, and the YouTubes and, and, and all of the stuff um, in this age, I just want us to be careful that just because someone has as a YouTube channel or a radio station or a book or whatever does not mean they are trustworthy. Or, or a pulpit does not mean that they are trustworthy. So I just want to point out 1 John 4.2, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out. Okay? Okay? Ministry gifting does not equal ministry character. Okay? It just doesn't. It never has. It, it, God gives ministry gifting to horrible people all the time. Okay, Ministry gifting does not ensure that one perseveres to the end. And so I just want to put that on, on your radar. Kind of a side point to the whole message here. But I just felt it heavy this week. I was reading through this like, man, Judas raised the dead. Judas preached the message of the kingdom. And Judas betrayed the Lord. Do with that what you will. We've got 12 normal guys, 12 normal Jewish guys for the 12 tribes for the harvest. And now things get real confusing, especially to, to the modern Gentile of which we are. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Which, again, on this side of Matthew 28 is odd, right? Jesus, you don't want us to go and tell the whole world about you? And Jesus says, doesn't say no. He says, not yet, right? Not yet. So, again, why? You're reading this. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to, to the Havsies, okay? Go to the Jews first. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why does he do this? Well, it's the same reason that he chose 12 Jewish guys to do this thing, okay? Biblically, whose responsibility is it to mediate God's blessings to the nations? Genesis 12. Whose job is it? Israel, the sons of Abraham, this is this is your in you. All the nations will be 
be blessed, right? That is their job. That is their task. That's the purpose of their election, okay? Not just to sit and say, hey, isn't it awesome that we're the people of God? No, it's to mediate the blessings of God to all the Gentiles, right? To, to you know, people like us. God has chosen, God has ordained, God, God has mediated redemptive history to the Jew first and then, and then the Gentile, okay? And you don't know that bugs you until you start to think about it. And then you're like, oh. That kind of bugs me, especially as an American where everything in the world is about me. Human history is about me. and uh, You know what I mean? Like, it's just who we are and what we do, and we got to crucify that thing. Okay? God has mediated redemptive history to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Or maybe this will help you out. You can say it this way. To the Jew first for the Gentile. Right? To the Jews for, for the world. And it doesn't mean that God loves the Jews more than the Gentiles. Right. This is, you know, Paul gets into this in, uh, in in his letters. Right. There's no longer Jew nor Greek, male, female, the whole stuff doesn't mean there's no longer Jews and Greeks. Right. Because if you take that, then there's no longer male and female and when you fit right in in 2022. No, he, he's saying in, in regards to the love of God for the Jewish people and the Gentile people, for slave men and freemen and male and female, there's no distinction. God loves to pour out his spirit on all people, on all flesh. But there is an order to how God does this. Right. You guys are reading spiritual gifts in First Corinthians. What's God is God of order. He's not just throwing stuff at the wall randomly to mediate history. He's got a way he does it. So it's to the Jew first, then the Gentile, to the Jew first, for the Gentile. And, and Matthew 28, then, is still in your Bible, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's, that's still there, and, and all through Matthew, you get little hints of the gospel going to the nations, going to the Gentiles, right? Who shows up at Jesus' birth? Those three wise men who are not Jews, right? Matthew 15, the Syrophoenician woman's going to get crumbs from Jesus' table. Like, you get all of that, but God's priority to the Jew first never, ever, ever changes. Jesus obviously models it here, and the apostles model it later, okay? So you get into um, the acts of, of the Lord through the apostles. And where does Paul always go first? Every single time. Synagogue. Right, he he goes he goes to the Jews. It's not like he went to the Jews one time and then it's all. No, it's like went to the Jews and the Gentiles. Went to the Jews, then the Gentiles, over and over and over. Why is Paul doing this? Why does Paul give priority to his kinsmen according to the flesh? Because Paul expects them to hear the message of their Messiah, to which all of their their scripture, okay, ha- had been leading them to and, and pointing them toward. Expects them to hear that message, respond to it, and then fulfill their calling to be, Isaiah, a light to the nations. Right? He, he goes to the Jews because it's their job. It's their responsibility. God has given them priority in his mission to bless the whole world. Romans 15. For I tell you, Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Who's the circumcised? Not 2022. Who's circumcised? <laughs> the Jewish people. Christ became a servant to them. Why? To show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And, verse 9, why? In order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel first, because it's their job, and it's their task. And this, and don't ask me why, this is just how I did it, Okay. And that, so that they bless bless the nations, right? Doesn't mean never go to the Gentiles. It's just there's Jewish priority, and this is this is how it is. But it, it 
it also doesn't mean, because, you know, again, all those people in their endless books. It doesn't mean that the mission changes, okay? Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and then go to the nations and never go back to them. It doesn't mean that either. The, the word that Matthew uses here for, for go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel is, is a, a present imperative, okay? Which means keep going, okay? C- continuation. Throughout the mission, the initial apostles and all disciples after them are to keep going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And go and go and go and go. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get Sean Steckbeck to come to Tonkawa this year. Sean's a missionary in Israel, primarily to um, the Jewish people who, when we get later into Matthew 10, like that's his model for ministry. He goes to a house of peace. Uh, if they receive him, he stays there. If they don't, he wipes the dust off his feet. And um, Anyway, they're to keep going to Israel. And as they go, they do what? Verse 7. As you go, proclaim, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus instructs them with with a message that John the Baptist has already preached in in Matthew 3. Jesus has already preached in Matthew 4. You guys carry the same thing. Announce that there is a day coming okay, where there's a, a radical intervention of God, judgment on the wicked, resurrection of the body, new heavens, new earth, the redemption of Israel, the glorification of Zion, the Messiah ruling from Jerusalem, and the glory of the Lord covering the whole earth as the water covers the sea. Okay, that's your announcement. Say that, tell them that, and, and tell them it's coming sooner than they think. It's at hand. Okay, it, temporally, it is, is near. But don't just tell them that. Don't just announce a message. Jesus says to demonstrate it, that it's real, that I'm not lying about this day that is coming. Okay, as the disciples proclaim the message of the age to come, the Lord is going to confirm that message with signs pointing to the age to come. We talked about this a little bit last week, but we'll, we'll hit it again here. Verse 7, proclaim as you go, kingdom of heaven. Verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And this is just what happens, right? If our Bibles are real history, which I think they are. Mark, Mark 6 records the disciples cast out demons. Luke 10, the demons are subject to them. And they come back and say, Jesus, isn't this awesome? The demons listen to us. And Jesus says, shut up. Okay. <laughs> Acts 8, 12 and 13 They believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God That's the first instruction Proclaim this In the name of Jesus Christ They were baptized, men and women Even Simon himself, who's a sorcerer, believed And after being baptized, he continued with Philip And seeing signs and great miracles performed He was amazed So the announcement of the kingdom Is, is followed by, confirmed by signs of the kingdom, right? Hebrews uh, 6 calls them powers of the coming age, miracle signs and wonders, okay? So just like last week, if you weren't here, the sign is not the point, right? If you're going to Dallas and you see a sign at Perry, you're not, you don't rejoice because we made it to Dallas. Like, no, you're in Perry. This is a sign pointing you to Perry. And then you get to Oklahoma City. It's the same, same way, okay? The sign's not the point. The sign, the miracle, the wonder, the healing, the dead raising, the whole bit is pointing to something greater, all right? The message of the age to come is accredited and confirmed by signs of the age to come. So Jesus says, cast out demons. Why, why, would, that, why would we say that? Because demons are driven off the earth in the age to come. So as you announce the age to come, cast out demons. And they will say, oh, just like in the age to come, demons are driven off the earth. He cast out a demon here. That must be true. 
I must repent and believe that. Okay? Heal the sick. Why? Because sickness is overturned in the age to come. No more hospitals in the age to come. Raise the dead. Why? Why would, why would he send them out to proclaim the kingdom and raise the dead? Okay? Like, why is Lazarus raised? It's to reinforce his message that the sisters believe that there will be a resurrection on the last day, right? Jesus shows up, said, if you've been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, do you believe in the resurrection? He goes, yeah, there's going to be a resurrection on the last day. And he goes, well, then watch this. Because I'm going to raise the dead now to confirm that, yes, there will be a resurrection on the last day. And I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the guy that's going to do it, okay? And so when that happened, Lazarus... And his stinky self, likely, walks out of, of the tomb. The Jewish people believed that Jesus was the Messiah. John eleven forty five. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary, Lazarus' sister, and saw what he did, they believed in him. And they believed his message about the day of the Lord and the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? The point of the sign is it's a sign. To point. Okay. The miracles aren't the goal. The signs aren't the goal. They're wonderful. Okay? We, we pray for them. We ask for them. I would say that we need them. Okay? Be, and, and here's why. Because our human hearts are very frail and, 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 and very just not, not strong, not ready for the task. And it's very hard to follow Jesus for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and not have a down payment and deposit of the age to come given to you. You know what I mean? Like you can sit and listen to sermons and read books and do your Bible and the whole bit. But you need God to visit you in a real and and powerful way to confirm that, okay, I'm going to stay on the path. I'm going to finish this thing. So God, would you just send a sign? You cleanse the leper here. Well, we don't, you know. Raise the dead, cast out demons. Like, I, I need a sign to keep me on the road. Otherwise, my heart shrivels up and, and it's harder to go on the path, okay? But I just say that don't make them something that they are not, okay? The, the widow's son in 1 Kings, who Elijah raises from the dead, what happens? Dies again, okay? Jairus' daughter, who Jesus healed two weeks ago, or two weeks ago for us. <laughs> <laughs> Dies again. Lazarus dies again. Etychus, who fell out the window because Paul preached too long, fell out of a window, guys. Right? Which the moral is don't sit in the balcony. Etychus falls out the window. Paul walks downstairs, then goes back to teaching. Etychus died again. Uh, Tabitha or Dorcas, whatever her name is, she, she died again. But when these people were raised, people believed. People put their hope in the age to come when, when, when the signs of the age to come aren't necessary anymore. I'm not going to need a miracle in the age to come. I'm just, right, this is like Paul's whole point of spiritual gifts at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, hey, you need all this. You, you, need, need, you need this. You're, this body of believers needs prophecy and tongues and interpretations and miracles and leadership and administration. The whole bit. You need all of this. But when the perfect comes... Pass away. You won't need it anymore. You'll see him and be fully, you'll know him and, and, and be fully known. Now you see through glass dimly, then you'll see clearly. Like, you won't need these things anymore. They're to get you there. They're to get you there. So announce the kingdom of God demonstrated by signs of the kingdom of God. And so, just to close, okay, um, if we have the music team come up, I just want to, well, no, don't come up yet. 
sometimes you guys start too early and I feel like I'm fighting and it's just... I just want to re-up what I said. You guys too, you're all watching them like, wow, what is Scott wearing today? That's a nice shirt, you know. Sierra has tie-dye on. No, she doesn't. (laughs) Re-up what I said last week. Um, Especially as we get further into Matthew 10, there's going to be like weird cultural historical stuff that's not going to make a lot of sense to us. Like, I don't know what it would mean for us to go out as disciples and find a person of, wait, did you guys do that in Lay Witness Mission? You guys go, hey, can we stay at your house while we share the gospel with people? Okay, so there's a modern context. But a lot of stuff I don't, I don't really know what to do with, um, you know, how we're going to obey Jesus in this regard. But I just want to say this, that this mandate for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers and for laborers to actually go, that mandate did not die with these men. Right? I know no one's saying that. I just want to reinforce that. The call to go did not die with these men. That, that's not what happens. It's meant to go on until the Son of Man comes, verse 23. Matthew is not putting this section in his gospel solely for like historical purposes so that Gentiles in Tonquan 2022 can say, hey, look what Jesus said. Amen, let's stand. You know what I mean? This is a helpful thing that we now know. No, Matthew puts this in here so we can obey it. <laughs> so, so we can see what Jesus has said and, and instructed and then, and then go and do it. So here's what this means. Okay. First, we want our message to be the same. If Jesus said, go out and, and proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, our message needs to be the same. Our, our message from, from our, our pulpits and, and, and our radios and wherever, and, and as we talk and meet with people, needs to be the same message. There's going to be a radical intervention of God. There's going to be a judgment on the wicked. There's going to be a resurrection of the body. There's going to be new heavens and new earth. There's going to be redemption of Israel, the glorification of Zion, the Messiah ruling from Jerusalem, and the message of the kingdom is that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Go out and tell people that. That's what we preach. Okay? And we preach with added clarity that this glorious news, that's part of this glorious news, is that Jesus has provided in himself a sacrifice for our sins so that everyone who's repenting of their sins and trusting in him inherits eternal life in that kingdom. Right? They've got a kingdom message here. We've got a kingdom message with the cross so that we can inherit eternal life. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can inherit the kingdom of God when it comes, please do. Okay? And if you don't know what that means or what that is, I'll be around after. Okay? Come out with us to pray out there and we'll talk to you about it and we'll help you trust in Jesus and help you repent of your sins and help you follow him faithfully until the end. Okay? Our, we want our message to be the same message of, of the disciples and all the disciples of him af- afterwards up to the present day. Okay? But with the cross. Okay, that's our message. Same as these men. And second, we want the confirmation of our message to be the same as these men. Okay, as people on this side of the enlightenment, I know that's bonkers, right? Where people just stop believing in miracles. So, eh, we can explain this away. We want our message to and our confirmation to be the same. Okay, our expectation, our assumption should be that every time. We preach the gospel, signs accompany that message. Okay? And I don't care how many times you preach the gospel and signs have not followed it. Your expectation is next time you preach the gospel, signs follow it. 
Unless you want to base everything on what you've experienced, which is not a good way to go. I'm going to base my, th- my, my life on what this says. Okay? Every time we pray for the sick, we, our expectation is that they're healed. Every time, we, which I'm trying to figure out the circumstances where you would lay hands on a dead person in 2022. But our, our expectation is they should be raised. Every time that we discern that there's demonic activity, we should, cast, we should expect that demons should be cast out. That's, our message is the same, and we want our message to be confirmed in the same way. And I know that's not how it works out every time, guys. Obviously. It didn't work out that way for them every time, okay? Paul prayed for people who did not get healed. Did that stop Paul from praying for the next person? No, okay? The expectation is the same. This is what we ask for, that when we share the gospel, we ask for signs to accompany it, okay? That that, that cause the human heart to say, okay, this is real. Not just words or whatever, okay? We, we preach the gospel, we ask for signs to accompany that gospel message, and we do so fully recognizing that God sends the power of the Spirit when and where He wills. Okay? This is incredibly frustrating to, to me that the Spirit does not wear the same watch as me. You know what I mean? Like, hey, time to do this thing, and he's, you know, it's like, who are you, man? <laughs> the Spirit doesn't wear the church's wristwatch. Okay. Um, try not to. I'll just tell you there. There is a, in the old football locker room, right in front of the toilet. There is a poster of a of a sailboat, which I guess Mr. Fruits thought we needed inspiration as we're on the toilet. I don't know why it's there. But it says we cannot, uh, we can't cause the wind to blow. We can adjust the sails, right? We can have our sails up, and this is how this works. We announce, we ask, we put up our sails so that when the wind blows, the dead are actually raised. And when the wind blows, demons are actually cast out. And and when we lay hands on people, they're actually healed. And I would just... Venture to, to guess, I don't, you know, I don't have this in Excel or whatever, that the more people we pray for, the more healing we will see. The more people we share the gospel with, the, the more people we will see come, come to the Lord. I guarantee you, if you don't pray for the sick, the sick will not be healed. Right? So we pray for that. We, we ask the Lord to do this. We put up our sail, ask the wind to blow. And guys, he, he's going he's gonna to do it. Okay? Now you guys can come play music. Thank you. Okay, so just I want to I want to pray for us um, for for three things. Uh, first, for just obedience from totally normal people. Okay, the, we you don't need a degree or, or whatever, or, or you don't need to be a believer for like more than three seconds. Okay, I'll, we'll get into this next week. These are teenagers, except maybe Peter. These are, these are young kids who Jesus is sending out as sheep among wolves. Like, what? Okay? I'm going to pray for our obedience to just be simple and normal. Proclaim the kingdom. Okay. Lay hands on the sick. Okay. Like, we're just going to do it. Second, uh, for boldness and proclamation. Okay? And boldness doesn't mean you're behind a pulpit with a microphone. 
it means you're just actually sharing the gospel with, with people. And then third, we're going to ask for signs to accompany those things. You share the gospel with someone and they're so hard-headed and so hard-hearted. You just got, okay, God, you have to do a miracle here. This person's not going to believe. And, and the Lord will visit them. Okay? So let's stand. Let's pray. Let's ask God. Let's put up our sails so that when the wind blows, we're, we're ready and, and participating in these things. So, Father, we ask you, um, God, for our church, for, for these people, that our obedience would be simple, that it would be... Uh, uh, just easy and straightforward, God. You say do this, and we just do it. We don't worry about the results or, or any. We just are obedient to you, obedient to the Lord of the harvest as laborers out in the harvest. And so, if there is anything in us that that would say, you know, I'm not whatever enough to to do this or whatever, that's their job or whatever. God, would you remove that? God, would you, would you smash that thing with a hammer? Break it apart. Blow it away like chaff. God, we want to be obedient to you, whatever that looks like. Second thing we ask, God, is for boldness in our proclamation. God, that you would clarify the gospel for us so it's simple. It's not convoluted. It, it, whatever, it's just simple. The, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Put your trust in Jesus, in his cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his sending of the Spirit, and in his soon return. Put your faith in that, your hope in that. Order your life around that. And at the day of the Lord, you will inherit eternal life. You will be raised from the dead. So burn that on our hearts, God. Make it simple and easy for us to share. God, send us, fill us with the Spirit, God, for proclamation. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then last thing, God, we ask you to demonstrate the powers of the age to come as we preach the gospel. God, that we would go out, we would lay hands on the sick, and, and they would actually be healed. And people would see that as a sign that the age to come is real. God, we would lay, the dead would be raised. God, would that never kind of awkward context? That would happen in. We want to be obedient to it. We want you to demonstrate powers of the age to come and raise the dead. God. So, God, we're, we're, we're just here putting our sails up, asking the wind to blow.